0: katham ritam tap tadivanam kavi bhiritam karmashapam sravanamangalam śrī madātatam bhūvi So, the master with the Brahmo devotees. So, Sri Ramakrishna is continuing his conversation with the Brahmo devotees. He said, Chaitanya used to shed tears of joy at the very mention of Krishna's name. God alone is the real substance, all else is illusory. So, this is the idea which we find Sri Ramakrishna again and again in the Gospel. He's repeating, is stressing that God alone is real substance. All else is illusory. And as a human being, we do have the unique faculty to realize God. And that's why he's saying that be like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Let God be your ideal alone. So the only way that we know that all else is illusory, even with our rational mind, we find that the world is transitory. But illusory is in two ways it is called illusory. One, it is transitory. Anything which is not permanent in the three phases of time, past, present and future, has been termed as illusion. It appears and then it vanishes. So that's why it is illusion. Just the way a magician, for the time being, creates something which appears to be real and then it's no more there. So, the world also is something like that. It is so transient, it is just flitting. It's here, the next moment it's not there. Everything is changing. So, in that sense, as it is not Trikal Avadita Satya, that its existence cannot be proven, substantiated in the three phases of time, the past, the present and the future, in that sense it is illusory. And In another sense also it is illusory, that what I am seeing through my mind and through the senses, through the lenses of my mind and senses, is not the reality. Even in Shankaracharya, we find now in the modern uh, science, there are so many ways to explain that. But even in the olden days, when Shankaracharya, Adi Shankaracharya, is writing commentary on the Brahma Sutras, we find even in the introductory, introduction of the Brahma Sutras, introduction of the commentary on Brahma Sutras, he is mentioning, just see, it appears that the sky is blue. Is it blue? The sky as if is touching the ground on the horizon. Is it really touching? So even with our common senses, what we are observing is not true. Our senses are constantly fooling us. It's not showing us the thing as it is. So the, here the Vedanta asserts that Brahman alone is real. Which is projected as the universe because of the mind and the senses. So, in that sense, also, it is illusory. Something is appearing as something as something else because of the intervention of the mind and the senses. Just the way when I see anything with a blue lens, everything appears to be blue. When I see anything with a green lens, everything appears to be green. Similarly, the mind and the senses because of their limitations, is constantly tainting my perception. All the attributes of anything which I see, the color, the taste, the sight, are all the projections of the mind. There is something, that easiness, I can never deny. But all the things which we are enveloping it with all those attributes, are something which are the projection of the mind. So in that sense also, it is illusory. If that be the case, if everything is illusory, the sense of filling, of attachment to our near and dear ones, nothing is going to be there permanently. We feel them to be so real, so tangible. It's all are fleeting. So why to hold on to something which is fleeting? Hold on to the divine. God alone is the real substance. And we can, when we hold on to the God, when we develop love for God, then we need not have to renounce something forcibly. They say, You need not renounce. The things will renounce by itself. The more we develop love for God, the more our attachment to the world starts falling off. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, the more you proceed towards the East, the West automatically falls behind. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is an example of the fact that in his life we see that what it means to live a life in God-consciousness. He was extremely intoxicated in the love of the Divine. Sri Ramakrishna used to describe the Chaitanya Incarnation, in a very poetic way. He used to say that in Krishna, uh, God, when incarnated as Krishna, we find the gopis, especially Radhika, Radhika Radha, has a tremendous love for Krishna. Tremendous, he, or She always wants to be in communion with Krishna. But the society won't allow. The social circumstances won't allow. So Radhika is pleading to Krishna that why not you hide yourself within my heart so that the world cannot see at the same time you are always with me. Why not just enter into my heart and stay there. Bhagavan always fulfills the wish of the devotee. That's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. And that's why to fulfill the wish of Radha that let god reside always in heart hidden in the heart so that he's always with her but at the same time the world doesn't see her so that way there is no question of external uh, hurdles difficulties in the process of meeting krishna so to fulfill the de- this wish of radhika of radha sri krishna is again and radha both are incarnated in one body that's what say in the body of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that they say He is Antak Krishna Vahiradha. That externally He is the Radha, that tremendous love of Radha is expressed through His life and Krishna is within. And now very poetically Sri Ramakrishna is saying that now in in the Chaitanya avatar, the Chaitanya as Radhika is constantly having the wish to have vision of Krishna but it is she only who has prayed to hide that to uh, prayed Krishna to hide in her heart and that's what he has done he is now hiding in the heart of Krishna, in, of Radha and now she wants to have a communion with him but he won't come out and that's the pang has been created the tremendous pang that Ra- Sri Ramakrishna is saying as if the heart is wrung like that, the way we wrung a towel. So that's the pain, tremendous pain, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Viraha Dasha, the highest uh, manifestation of love is the Viraha. That was found expression in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That constantly, he's longing for the vision of Krishna. That's the tremendous love which we find manifested in the life of Mahaprabhu and that made him forget everything. And that's the wonderful example of the tremendous love which you develop for the divine, how it helps us to get rid of all the so-called our attachments to this world. And it happens spontaneously. You need not have to use your willpower get rid of all those things and that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying that if the world is illusory even with our rational mind with the common sense we can understand that it's not easy to get rid of it just like a drug addict a drug addict knows very well what is harming him or her with his rational mind or with a rational mind he or she knows what's the cause of her disintegration the life is as if falling apart addiction, but he or she cannot leave it. So similarly, we are also addicted to this world. With our rational mind, we do understand. But at the same time, we find that we cannot get rid of it. That Sri Ramakrishna, in the Gospel, so many places, there are so so many wonderful stories, that how we get caught, that once we get ensnared by this world, The world traps us. It won't leave us. So one day, uh, the villagers uh, and a monk was just bathing on the bank of a river. They were just having a dip on the bank of the river. And they saw some blanket is flowing, the the downward stream of the flow of the river. Is taking a blanket. Is the blanket is flowing down the stream of the river. Now this monk. He he was in need of a blanket, and seeing that blanket just being, being flowing off, by the stream of the river, he, st- started swimming and went to the middle of the river to get hold of the blanket, and when he got hold of the blanket, and then the villagers, the rest of the villagers who were watching they saw that the monk is going along with the blanket. And now they shouted that you got the blanket, why don't you come back to the shore, why are you being carried away by the stream, you can easily come back, you can swim back. And then the monk shouted uh, that this blanket is not leaving me. Means what has happened actually, he thought it's a blanket, it was not a blanket, it was just a crocodile. Thinking the crocodile as the blanket, it went and grabbed the crocodile and the, now the crocodile got hold of him and it was dragging him down the stream to take him under the waters, suffocate him and kill him. So what's the idea? The way we get lured to the nature, at last it is the nature, like the crocodile, gets hold of us. We get obsessed by it. It kills us. So it is so powerful. How to get rid of it? There is an easy way. Try to develop that love for the divine. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, the more you go towards the east, the west automatically falls behind. The more you develop love for God, then this detachment happens spontaneously. Otherwise, the Vishaya is like the graha, like the crocodile. It will drag us to this, uh, attachments of these sensed pleasures of life and it always will drag us and kill us. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying that if the world is illusory, then what is the way out? Here, the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is an example. He is to shed tears of joy at the mention of Krishna's name. So that's the way, by holding onto the Divine, by going towards the East, that's the only way you can get rid of the West. West automatically falls behind. You cannot push the West. The more you go towards the East, the West naturally falls behind. Man can realize God if he wants to, but he madly craves the enjoyment of woman and gold. So we all have that faculty to develop that love for the Divine. It's the same faculty by which we have developed inordinate, in. what is this intense love for the world how? the things of necessity when we pursue it again and again it creates as if a path in the mind and once the path is created we get obsessed to it this is the same module the same operating factor the same principle can be used to develop love for the divine that think of the think of God again and again. At the, at the Initially most probably there's a need for the will, the resolution. That at the beginning I have to take a resolution to resort to the name of the Divine. When I do it repeatedly the same principle acts as you do something repeatedly a path is created in the mind and once it is created you develop love for it. And once you develop that love, now you won't have to think. The way you know the world is going to destroy you, still you were not able to get rid of it because you have developed inordinate attachment. And now if someone comes and says, this God and everything is all trash, it's all useless, there's nothing called God. But once you develop that love, you will find that in spite of all the world saying that this, the concept of divinity is a mere nonsense you will find you cannot get rid of it and this attachment is something which is going to save you which is going to liberate you so that's why Sri Ramakrishna used to say more Firiyada just turn the direction the same faculty of love and attachment which you have towards the world it can easily be turned towards the Divine a little effort is necessary and once you have done that then there is no more fear. So that's what he's saying. that Man can realize God. So this is the beauty of Ramakrishna. He is, again and again, asserting that whatever state of life you may be, in whatever stage of life you may be, don't think that this God realization is impossible. It is possible for anyone, for everyone. Only thing you have to develop that instant intention Intense urge to realize the divinity. And that's what he's saying. Man can realize God if he wants to. That's intense, that there's intensity is required. If he wants to, if you have that vyakulata, if you have that mumukshutva, then it is something which is possible. But he madly craves for the enjoyment of woman and goat. So that's the Maya. That is the fact of life. That though we can, but still we continue in the pursuits of our senses and we, we almost become mad for it. The snake has a precious stone, a folk belief in Bengal, in its head. But it is perfectly satisfied to eat a mere frog. So there, in the, you know that the folk, the, the regional folks say sometimes that the snow, some of the snakes will be having a precious stone in its, in its head. Others can see, but the snake is not aware of it, and it just continues, that it is having that precious stone, but that has no value for this, that snake, it doesn't know its value. It continues with its uh, accustomed way of living, its habit is to eat frog, so it still continues to eat frog. What is the idea? That the self, that our essence of our being is divine. But we are forgetful about it. We don't know the treasure which we are having within us. And that's why we continue with all the sensitive pleasures of life. Pursuit of the sensitive pleasures of the life. So we renounce something uh, precious for something which is trivial. Says so uh, there are so many ways to express it. That if someone so a person went and uh, praised a monk by saying that, "Oh, you have renounced. You are a great person because you have renounced." And the monk replied, "It's not me. It is you who have renounced." And the monk, and this man was bewildered. That how come? I am so much attached to this world. How come I have renounced? He's saying that it is you who have renounced. And then the monk clarified. See. I have renounced something trivial for something precious, for something which is a treasure, and it is. And you have renounced something which is precious for something which is trivial. Now whose renunciation is great? You say. So that's the idea. The snake has a precious stone. but It has renounced it in its head. It is not aware of it. It is perfectly satisfied to eat a mere frog, just the way we uh, forgetful about the essence of our the core of our being which is divine we somehow spend our life in the so called the sensual pleasures of life so sri ramakrishna uh, in his gospel in some other context have given a very nice allegory that a man uh, went at the dead of night to the neighbors went and knocked the neighbors door at the dead of night he knocked the door and the neighbor got up and opened the door and asked what makes you just uh, come here, uh, come to me at this dead hours, at the dead hours of night? And the man replies, "You know that I have the habit of having tobacco, so I need some fire. So that's why I he came here." And this man, he laughed. I told, "Oh, what a wonderful person you are! You came all the way, way with a lantern in your hand to ask for fire. It's already with you." so we also are doing the same thing just like a deer with the mask on its navel running about chasing about throughout the village, throughout the forest to find the source of the fragrance not knowing that it is just with that with him and sometimes the deer dies out of exhaustion not finding the source of the fragrance and that's what is our condition and that's what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating the snake has a precious stone in its head but it is perfectly satisfied to eat a mere frog Bhakti is the one essential thing who can ever know God through reasoning I want to love God what do I care about knowing his infinite glories one bottle of wine makes me drunk what do I care about knowing how many gallons there are in the grog shop one jar of water is enough to quench my thirst. I don't need to know the amount of water there is on earth." So most of the time what we do in the name of spirituality we just go on analyzing that what the divinity is, how great he is, how much omni- that he is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, what all those actually means whether he is shakar, whether he is nirakar, whether he is with form, without form, whether he is with attributes, without attributes. These discussions, quarrel with this discussion, that's what goes on. God is infinite. Infinite way the God uh, can be understood. There are various facets just like a jewel has so many facets. So similarly, the divinity with the, the orientation with the paradigm with which I am looking at the divine, it can be varied. And that we cannot limit God with all those discussions. But what is the use of all those things? The real purpose is to develop the love for God. With, with once that love is developed, that will take us beyond this world of phenomenal existence. Buddha used to uh, say a very nice story to explain this same idea which Sri Ramakrishna has spoken of here. What is to say that why you go on analyzing the nature of the Divine? What what purpose does it serve? Your purpose is somehow to get rid of the bonds of the ignorance. And then he used to say a very nice story that suppose a man is passing through the forest and suddenly a poisoned arrow comes and pierces him. Now what's his duty? Will he sit down and go on analyzing who shot it, why he shot it, what type of poison he has used? He will die in the process, in no time, in short time he's going to die if he just goes, sits and goes on analyzing. What's his duty? forget about who shot it why he shot it the immediate duty is somehow to get rid of that arrow take out that arrow and apply some antidote to get rid of the effect of the poison which has been that arrow which has been used in that arrow the poison which has been smeared in the arrow that poison is going to kill you so somehow you have to use some antidote to get rid of that poison so that's the idea that why there is ignorance, why the perfect become imperfect, what's the nature of that which we call as perfect, why just sit, simply sit down and go on discussing on it, and develop the love for the divine, I just lead that little love for the divine and that itself can take me ultimately to that other shore of existence. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying that bhakti is the one essential thing. So in some other place he have given that another example, that two friends went to a mango, this orchard, and one of the friends started just uh, eating the mangoes. They were all ripe, there were so many ripe mangoes, the trees were laden with the ripe mangoes. One started just eating the mangoes, the other was just counting the number of trees, the number of branches, leaves, and all those things. So who is the one who is the clever one? So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is asking. That you have came to the mango orchard, enjoy the taste of mango. Release the mango. What's the use in can- counting the leaves and branches? So bhakti is the one essential thing. Who can ever know God through reasoning? I want love of God. What do I care about knowing His infinite glories? One bottle of wine makes me drunk. What do I care about knowing how many gallons there are in the grok shop? One jar of water is enough to quench my thirst. I don't need to know the amount of water there is on earth. So, some, that's the thing which is very important. Here, God can never be known. He can be experienced. You can never describe the divinity. You can experience what to speak of God. Even in our day-to-day life, there are so many things which we can never express. We can experience, but we cannot express. Just like a mother. The mother alone knows what that love for the child is. That love which, if, which she feels in her heart for a child. Can she explain it? Impossible. If someone asks what that motherly love is, at the most she can say, if you have a child, then only you will know what that motherly love is. I cannot explain it. So it can be experienced, but it cannot be something which can be described. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying, what's the use of trying to describe something which can never be described? Test it. Just be intoxicated in the love of the divine. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is, again and again, highlighting in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. That realization alone is the criteria of spiritual evolution. In the name of religion, throughout the world, we find what's going on. We show our adherence to our faith not by showing our love to the divinity, by how strongly I can hate others who doesn't believe in the way I believe. That's why Swamiji used to say very little love we have in our heart. Very little love. The world shows that. If we had real love, We will forget the entire world. There are so many nice stories that, uh, you know, that a lover was in search of his beloved, was passing the street. That's also uh, a very nice uh, allegory. And someone was, someone has spread the mat and was kneeling down and offering the prayers to the Lord. And this man, who was in search of his beloved, didn't notice someone sitting there and uh, praying to the divine, kneeling down and praying to the divine. So he somehow uh, stamped over the mattress and unknowingly kicked that person. And this man was at rage. Don't you see? I'm worshipping. And you insult me this way. Come and simply kick me. And this man says, please forgive me. I haven't noticed you and then he says what type of prayer you you are engaged in see for a trivial love for the love of some mortal I have forgotten the world nothing I can notice I unknowingly was I have trampled over you and you you say you love divine you love God and just these small trivial things disturb you so much you are at rage So that's the idea. If you have real love for the divine, then every other thing becomes secondary. And then that alone speaks of transcendence. You can transcend all the so-called trivial conflicts and sufferings of life. If you have real love for the divine, anyone who is in love, you will find they forget the world. So that's the real purpose of spirituality, to develop that love for the divine. So that's what he's saying why just simply speak of the god's glory there are so many th- the things that we cannot measure or calibrate we can feel it try to feel that love for the divine and then sri ramakrishna arrived at surendra's house many devotees had assembled there including surendra's elder brother who was a judge master to surendra's brother you are a judge that is very good but remember everything happens through god's power it is he who has given you your high position. That is how you became a judge. People think it is they who are great. The water from the roof flows through, the, through a spout that is shaped like a lion's head. It looks as if the lion were bringing the water out through its mouth. But look at the source of the water. A cloud gathers in the sky and rain falls on the roof then the water flows through the pipe and at last comes out through the spout. So this is something Sri Ramakrishna is indicating, which is very significant, that whatever position we will be holding in life, know it for certain, for certain that it has happened because of God's power. You may say that it is me with my intelligence, with my knowledge with my academic education, I have attained the position, the prestige and position in life. But is it really our intelligence that alone is responsible for that? If I was not born in that particular family where I got that stable environment, that nourishing environment, there are so many who are born in a war-torn, environment, nation, always instability, struggle, they have to be in some camp as a refugee, uprooted from their own uh, nation, from their own place. Just think, is it possible for a person, how difficult it may be for that person to really develop uh, all the skills, all the knowledge which one needs to be established in life. All the factors are deterrent, are against him. Is it really we can just say that it is all we? We are born in a situation. The entire society, the college, the educational institutions where I'm studying, they are not there because of my intelligence. It is a collective effort of the entire society. I simply go there and avail all the facilities there. How is it possible? Is it only because of my intelligence? No. So God has placed me in certain situations, has given me scope by keeping me on those such situations that has enabled me to be the person what I am. So know for certain that there are two factors in life: Purushakara and Kripa. We do need our own have we need to have some our own endeavor, but that is not all. There has to be some grace factor also. As Sri Ramakrishna used to give that example of the two farmers, that one farmer uh, never ploughed the land, the other ploughed the land and then there was a rain. Who is going to get the benefit? The one who has ploughed the land. The rain is unpredictable. Where it is going to come, we don't know. But the one who has not ploughed the land, even when the rain comes, he is not going to get the benefit out of it. So, this falling of the rain is a grace. That is some external factor. I don't know. So my old and if I plow the land, but if there is no rain, again, there is. Uh, 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 it is not going to yield crops. So both has to synthesize. So know it for certain that it is not. Never think. Never be that egoistic. That everything has happened because of me. So many innumerable factors are there that if wouldn't have conspired to. Uh, make the desire which you have in your heart possible. It was never possible. So they all come together as if conspire to fulfill your desire, to fulfill your wish. And that's how the things happen. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna that remember everything happens through God's grace. It is He who uh, has given you your high position. That is how you become a judge. People think it is they who are great. The water comes from the roof, flows through a spout that is shaped like a lion's head. It looks as if a lion were bringing the water out through its mouth. But look at the source of the water. A cloud gathers in the sky and rain falls on the roof. But the water flows through the pipe and at last comes out through the spout. So this also makes us uh, remind of some of the sutras of Patanjali, the Patanjali Yoga Sutra. There they say, uh, one sutra, very nice sutra, it's in the f- last chapter. What's that? Nimittam aprayojakam prakritinam varanabhedatu yathakshetrikavad. Yathakshetrikavat. What it is saying? Nimittam aprayojakam. That all our efforts are secondary. With the efforts we don't create anything. Everything is there in the nature. The nature is having all the powers within it. What we do through our effort is just open the floodgate. The nature then pours in and makes the thing happen. And that's the thing, that's what is the example they're giving? Yatha Kshetrikavat. Just the way the farmer brings water to the field. The river is flowing by and there's a dam What the farmer does, it just makes a small hole in the dam, creates a channel in the dam, and the water simply flows through that and floods the field. So it doesn't have to uh, mechanically, the farmer doesn't have to uh, physically bring the water. Once that uh, channel is created, the water flows in. Similarly, all our efforts are like that. The nature is all-powerful. The nature is nothing but the manifestation of the divine. All the, what you say, potentiality is within. That's why Swamiji used to say religion is the manifestation of divinity already in man. Education is the manifestation of perfection already in man. It is already there. Our effort is just to open the floodgate and it simply comes out. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. A cloud gathers in the sky and the rain falls on the roof. Then the water flows through the pipe and at last comes out from the spout. It appears that from the mouth of the lion, the water is coming. But the source is something far, far away from that. So that's why the nature has all the infinite sources. To give another example, just take a seed from which the huge plant comes. We say, see, the seed is so powerful. So much inherent power is there in the seed. But actually, is it the seed from which the entire plant came? Actually, it's not so. The seed is just the gateway, just like that spout. All the nutrients, minerals, water, everything is in the earth where the so seed has fallen. The seed is just a gateway. It allows the minerals, the fertilizers, the mineral, the nutrients, water, everything to be absorbed from this that's breeding ground, from the soil, through the seed, the seed then sprouts in that plant. So it is just the channel through which that tremendous power is coming to develop as that huge tree. Otherwise how can that small seed can become the tree? If you keep the seed in some dry place, it is never going to become a tree. It needs that breeding ground. So prakriti is like that breeding ground. So we are just like that seed that nature finds expression through us. So never be proud of the fact that all the things which you have achieved is yours. It is the God's power. The divine finding expression as nature, and that finds expression through you. You, just like a lock get, You just your efforts have just opened up the floodgate to allow the nature to find expression through you. So that's what is the idea, even in the scriptures. So in very simple words, Sri Ramakrishna is saying that with the help of this example. surendra's brother, the Brahmo Samaj, preaches the freedom of woman and the abolition of the caste system, what do you think about these matters? Now Sri Ramakrishna is saying something very, very wonderful. We will have to reflect on it to really understand what's the inner meaning of what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. Men feel, Sri Ramakrishna's words, men feel that, men feel that way when they are just beginning to develop spiritual yearning. A storm raises clouds of dust, and one cannot distinguish between the different trees, the mango, the hawk plum, and the tamarind. But after the storm blows over, one sees clearly. After the first storm of divine passion is quelled, one gradually understands that God alone is the highest good, the eternal substance, and that all else is transitory. One cannot grasp this without tapasya and the company of holy men. What is the use of merely reciting the written parts of the drum? It is very difficult to put them into practice on the instrument. What can be accomplished by mere lecture? It is austerity that is necessary. By that alone can one comprehend. So, this word sometimes, he's saying in a very simple way, but what actually it means, that he's saying that when the storm is, is... there's a storm, the clouds of dust are carried with the storm, and everything becomes very hazy. You cannot see anything clearly. And that's why all the trees look to be the same, the mango, the hockpland, the tamarind. And only when the storm subsides, when the dust again settles, then you can see everything. What it means, that when our, this uh, there are two ways, I have to understand this, there are two ways by which everything starts looking same. There are two ways. When dust obscures vision, then everything looks same to be same. And there's another way where everything looks same. How? Suppose you are looking at a model of a city made of wax. Made of wax, an entire city has been made. Just a model, some city has to develop, and someone has made a blueprint with the help of some model with the help of wax that where will be the theater, where will be the educational institution, where will be the hospital, where is going to be the residential area, where is going to be the railway station, and all the things which you have in a city everything with the wax they have developed and now you s- have an idea of unity by what by realizing that in the city which is made of wax everything is made of wax it is a wax which is appearing the wax which is appearing as so many things of different name and form so there are two ways one with the du- dust obscures a vision, and everything appears same and when you realize Everything in essence is the same. So, similarly, with with this example, what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating, that a person starts seeing sameness when when instead of trying to bring reformation within oneself, that by spirituality, that that, uh, initial passion, without trying to reform myself, in the name of oneness, we try to reform the world. That Reformation—that's what for all the reformation movement you will find. We haven't reformed ourselves; we are trying to reform the world. And in such case, the passion for reformation we will find like the cloud of dust. It seemingly brings because of our ignorance the passion of reformation. It, uh, what you say, in a way, clouds our vision. There's a tremendous passion for reformation; it clouds our vision, and it seemingly brings oneness all the movements of the world, they speak of the prophets that all the exploitation will be over, that we bring oneness, only to realize in the long run at what large we find that the nature of problem has changed without bringing any real transformation, any real reformation. As Swami Vivekananda used to give the example of a rheumatic patient, a rheumatic patient suppose has pain in the knees and you massage the knees the pains in the knees do vanish; they get rid of it. But it, you will find it has just shifted. It hasn't gone altogether. Most probably, it has gone to the ankle. It just shifts. It nature's change. So, as uh, and uh, very commonly it's used that uh, when there was a passion for the movement, the communist movement throughout the world, with its high, lofty ideals, the ideal is of course good <coughs> but to bring that equality among all no one should have the privilege the society there should be the equal distribution of wealth there shouldn't be in any form exploitation very high ideal but at last we find only the role have changed <coughs> they give a very nice example suppose uh, before the reformation it is a landlord who was sitting on the back of the horse with a whip in his hand and I was whipping the laborer who was standing beneath. And after the Reformation, after the cloud of your this passion of Reformation has gone, have the distinctions really vanished? No. You will find somehow the laborer has developed that got developed that power, and he is now sitting on the back of the horse. The so-called landlord is now standing beneath, and it is the laborers who is sitting on the back of the horse who is whipping the landlord. So the roles have changed. But the difference still remains. So that's what you will find, Sri Ramakrishna is indicating, that when the transformation is not within, you have not realized that everything is made of wax. It is the same divinity, which is finding expression throughout the world. For that, we have to have the spiritual practice. It should take us to the realization. It was just that external enthusiasm, the tremendous passion to bring reformation to the world without bringing reformation within. At last we find, when the dust has subsided, the same mango tree, the same humpling, that is all hawk plum tree, the same tamarind, they're still visible with all their distinctions. Nothing has actually changed. So the real change comes when, instead of trying to reform the without, trying to reform without, we try to reform within. Even in the modern Days, the sociology they say all reformations, the real reformations, can happen only from bottom to top, not from top to bottom. <coughs> unless the, our awareness changes, unless there is a change in our way of looking at the things, there can be never any real reformation. When the storm <coughs> again blows over, one sees clearly the same distinctions are again visible. So, what's the way out? One cannot grasp this without tapasya (coughs) and the company of holy men. And then again Sri Ramakrishna says something wonderful. What is the use of merely reciting the written parts of the drum? It is very difficult to put them into practice on the instrument. What can be accompanied by a mere lecture? It is austerity that is necessary. By that alone can one comprehend. This is the example so many times we cite <coughs> that you go to a teacher who is expert in percussion or drum and he recites the rhythm of the drum and asks you to repeat after him. In two minutes you learn and you recite. And now he says, play it. It will take months to really play it. To speak of the high ideals, it's so easy. Even a small child can do that. To internalize those ideals in one's life, to overhaul one's personality, so that they become something manifested through our lives that needs that endeavor, that sadhana, that practice. So unless we have done that, that our passion for reformation is something external, it gives an impression that we have really transformed, but at last we find nothing has transformed. But the one who has transformed his own life, you will find he alone can bring a tremendous change in the society, in the, what you say, in our civilization, who are more influential than all the spiritual leaders of all the spiritual faiths and denominations. The world remembers them for thousands of years. They think them to be the guiding force in their life, who are more influential than them. Why people get drawn to them? Because they have transformed their life and through that transformation, they have went to that unitary experience where they experienced that everything is made of wax. It is a conscious principle. It is a divinity which is finding manifestation through the world. And naturally, hatred falls off for such a person. Why? Because we say, in the Bhagavatam there is a nice sloka. What it says? That when you are eating and accidentally your tongue gets bitten by your teeth, whom do you blame? You cannot blame anyone. It is the same person who is eating by accidentally has bitten the truth, has bitten the tongue. So, what's the idea? When you see that the divine alone has become the universe, how can you blame anyone? It is the divine who is interacting with the divine whether through love or through hatred so for such a person all hatred falls off falls off and he alone such a person alone can bring some transformation they become the real motivating factors the most influential factors for the world and that's the we have experienced through our history who are more uh, uh, powerful than all these spiritual leaders in any of the religious denominations. You find they become the guiding force of the society. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying. That why why just go on s- reciting the rhythm of the drum? Learn to play it. That's the thing which is essential. That speaks of internalization of the spiritual ideals through your life. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say that in a almanac, it is written, there's a forecast that there is going to be torrential rain this year. Now you take the almanac and squeeze it, not a single drop of water will come out. As long as the water doesn't come out, it is just mere book. It is just mere bookish knowledge. It doesn't have the capacity to give you even a single drop of water. It may forecast many things, it may profess many things. So unless we internalize the values which has been spoken of in the scriptures and make them the living principle of our life so that it overhauls our personality, it transforms us. No real reformation is possible and that's the thing that Sri Ramakrishna is saying how nicely. that When surendra's brother told that the Brahma Samaj preaches freedom of woman and the abolition of caste system, so it's all external Reformation. What do you think of these matters? And now see Ramakrishna's answer, though it appears to be ambiguous, but what a wonderful thing he's speaking, which I think we will realize much better after this discussion. Which let us read that words of Sri Ramakrishna again so that we can relate what we were discussing just now. Men feel that way when they are just beginning to develop spiritual yearning. A storm raises clouds of dust and one cannot distinguish between the different trees, the mango, the hawk plum, and the tamarind. But after the storm blows over, one sees clearly, after the first storm of divine passion is quelled, one gradually, now the real sadhana comes, one gradually understands that God alone is the highest good. So everything is made of wax, that He alone is the as eternal substance. Uh, he's behind the creation. Everything else is transitory. One cannot grasp this without tapasya. It's not a mere matter of just some spoken words. Through tapasya, through the company of holy men, one has to transform oneself, internalize those values, go to the realization. Today's imagination should become tomorrow's realization. Today I imagine the equality, that equality has to become a realization through my life by going to that unity of experience. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna was the use of merely reciting reciting, reciting the written parts of the drum. It is very difficult to put them into practice on the instrument. What can be accomplished by a mere lecture? It is austerity that is necessary. By that alone can one comprehend. And after saying this, you will find that what he is saying, do speak of our spiritual transformation that is more important. What he says next, you asked about caste distinctions. There is only one way to remove them and that is by love of God. Lovers of God have no caste. So we have really developed that love, that love has made them to realize that everything is the same divine as Sri Ramakrishna in the Gospel in some other context has told. Jo Ram dasharat ka beta, vahi Ram ghat ghat me <inaudible> leta." That Ram, that Rama, that historical figure who, whom you know as a son of the Sharatha, that same Ram as the spiritual sons, Garikhat is in the heart of each and every being. The lovers of God knows that. And for them, there is no caste. So that's why he's saying there is only one way. It is by the internal transformation, not by simply professing that we believe in equality. It is going down to the core of your being to realize the truth which is within you is within all as holy mother used to say the day you know the one who is within me the one who is within you the same one is within the lowly and every that the, the so called the one who are treated as lowly in the society then you know you have attained that highest knowledge so that's the beautiful simple words. And that's being said, spoken of here, lovers of God have no caste. Through this divine love, the untouchable becomes pure. The parya no longer remains a parya. Chaitanya embraced all, including the parias. So now you see, this is... Nothing but a spiritual transformation that alone can take you to that unity of experience. Otherwise, through all those uh, initial passion for reformation, however ideal it may be, by trying just to reform something outside without an inner transformation, no real transformation can happen. The members of the Brahmo Samaj sing the name of Hari, that is very good, through earnest prayer one receives the grace of God and realises Him. God can be realised by means of all paths. The same God is invoked by different names. So what we need is that love, that love alone can take you to that realisation. Whatever may be your faith, whatever may be your belief, how intensely your love the idea of God which you have, that's important. Not what you merely believe, not what you think is superior to others, not that. That love, whatever may be your ideal, that love alone has the capacity to transform you by overhauling your personality, by getting rid of all the things which are trivial, taking you to that level of awareness where your ego falls off, your idea of limited individuality falls off. You become all-encompassing. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say that a small pot take a small pot, that ocean is infinite, infinite expanse of water. You take a small pot and immerse it in that ocean and now a little amount of that ocean water enters into that pot and now you say this is the water of the pot, this is the pot water. What has differentiated the so-called pot water from the ocean water? This lining of the pot, this this wall of the pot, that is our ego. That the same unity, the divinity, the one divine which is which has become the entire universe, <coughs> is being differentiated because of our ego. Like the pot, it comes, and now I say, This is me, this is the external world. The more we can remove the this barrier of the ego, the ego falls off. It makes us again one with the divine. It, and then your love becomes all en- engulfing. It engulfs everyone. There is no such me and mine. It falls off, giving you the love of non, giving you the test of non-hierarchical love. That this I love this more they, because they are my relatives, they are my friends, they belong to my nation, they belong to my religion. Those all falls off. Your love becomes non-hierarchical. There is no ladder in this, your love. You will start loving all without any barriers because you have again realized that unity principle behind the entire existence. So that's why Sri Ramakrishna is saying that you that Brahma Samaj they sing the name of Hari. That is good. Whatever you are doing, do it with love. And then through that earnest prayer, one receives the grace of God and realizes Him. And that God can be realized by all path. The same God is invoked by different names. As in the last class also we were indicating that the famous words of Swami Vivekananda, that the efficacy of all the religion is proven by the fact that each and every religion has produced the men of of exalted character, men and women of exalted character. So today's class we will uh, conclude by just reading out that portion of uh, Swami Vivekananda's lecture in the last session of the Parliament of Religion. So, in that, and, and it is a concluding remark of the uh, lecture in the concluding session of the Parliament of Religion. What he told if the Parliament of Religions has shown anything to the world, it is this it has proved to the world that holiness, purity, and charity are not the exclusive possessions of any church in the world and that. Every system has produced men and women of the most exalted character. In the face of this evidence, if anybody dreams of the exclusive survival of his own religion and the destruction of the others, I pity him from the bottom of my heart, and point out to him that upon the banner of every religion will soon be written, in spite of resistance, help and not fight, assimilation and not destruction, harmony and peace, and not dissension. So with these words, we stop our discussion today. We'll continue with the remaining portion of this chapter uh, again in the next class. So thank you all. Namaskar.